Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. Lovely bit of Sunday racing. The Trofeo Alfredo Binder, I must say, sounds like a pasta dish, but it was a beautiful race and a really interesting profile. 143 kilometers from Coquillo to Trevisago. No, Coquillo, Trevisago to Chitilio. 143 Ks of undulating terrain, two Two circuits joined together by a longer climb. Quite an interesting concept, actually. I really liked it in beautiful, like, classic Italian terrain. Um, the first circuit lasted for, like, 44Ks, had repeats of the uh, – I mean, it wasn't a circuit, but they did the Cunardo climb, 4Ks, 5%. The Caldana climb, 1.4Ks at 6.3%. Then they did the main circuit for the last 70, 80Ks, uh, with the Orino climb, 3.5Ks at 4.1%. It had a steeper section in the uh, from the first kilometre in for 500 metres, about 7.2%, and then gets a bit steep at the end. And they do, or they did rather, four repetitions of that climb, and it was sort of a non-technical downhill, then to, then to like a oh, shorter climb of one point. How long was it, Benji? The Chitilio climb. I'm not sure it's categorized actually, so I don't have it for you, but it's a shorter climb than a Oops, descent of 9Ks to the finish. What have you been up to this weekend, Benji? Why do you fill people in? Uh, not much, actually, knowing that Milano San Remo is a, is a thing and this race is a thing, so the majority was watching cycling. Um, I've also decided to uh, make a bit of a, a page on which I want to eventually write at least one article about cycling throughout the entire year so uh you can find it on my twitter if you want to if you want to check it out it's uh, a substack link if you know what that means but um yeah not too much because of all the racing to be honest uh you i don't know what that means substack but anyway go and check that out on benji's twitter i've not been up too too much just admin stuff and watching a lot of these beautiful Italian races back-to-back, the big men's race and then the women's race. Today is the women's world tour level race. Uh, our sort of home team, Drops Lacole, weren't at this race. They're, they don't get an automatic invite because they're a continental team. If you want to check out our show partner, Lacole, you can see them through the link below or follow them on Instagram. That's www.lecol. They have brought out recently their new spring summer range new jackets etc for the transitional seasons the best performance cycling wear on the market and i can't wait to get into some of that cold winter stuff for my location in europe bit of a bit of a hint there for where i might be going anyway enough of that Trofeo Alfredo Binder, a very aggressive race. SD works here with Chantal van den Broek Black, perhaps as their leader, but also strong riders in Cicchini, Mullen. Jumbo Visma had Voss uh, probably as their leader. Uh, Ali BTC Ljubljana had Roisa and Mavi Garcia. 
then you also have the Australian sensation on Team Tigco, Silicon Valley Bank, Sarah Giganti. We're obviously going to be watching her very closely. She can solo on a course like this. Bike Exchange, struggling a bit this season. Spratt Kennedy Williams, Trek, probably the strongest all-round team with the two Americans, Wills and Winder, working for Diagnan, Longa, Borghini and Cordon Rigaud. And also, favour of the channel, Cecilia Trupp Ludwig was here as well. A lot of attacks early. Um, Liv, Canyon Shram were both very aggressive. Marlon Rooster attacked early. We didn't have footage, live coverage, so we were following on the UCI Women's World Tour Twitter account. They live tweet every race. It's really good. And, yeah, it was just aggressive really early. Martia Bastianelli. Attacking early, Ruyak is one of those live racing riders. Audrey Cordon Rigaud, aggressive for uh, Trek Segafredo, the French national road champion. And then once they got onto the main circuit, it, it, all these riders kept coming back, kept getting caught. Trek were pacing eventually with Ruth Winder and Taylor Wills. And 44 Ks to go, they did maybe the third to last ascent of the Orino. And positioning was... I wouldn't say it was that important, actually. It's not a particularly narrow climb. You can move up if you need to. But um, the race split up on that third to last extent with Cordon Rigaud attacking, joining uh, the lead group, I think, of three riders, which was – and then 32Ks to go. More, They were sort of the remnants of an earlier breakaway, Costa, Rusa, Jackson – Emiliusic and, uh, yeah, I think I already said Costa. She went on clear on her own. That's why I was doubly remembering her with 30Ks to go. They got caught by Trek pacing, then Tiff Cromwell of women, uh, women cycling, Canyon Shram. We're going to talk about Canyon Shram in a second, but we'll save that. She attacked before the second to last descent of the arena climb, got brought back at the base, and then it was Elisa Longaborghini, the Italian national champion, attacking. But she kind of forecasted Benji. Like it wasn't right at the front or on a sneaky side of the road that she attacked. Where were the other favorites when Elisa Longaborghini attacked? When they were mainly ahead of her. And the thing about it is that in this whole situation, they are prepping this attack. They are making sure that she's in a seat to attack at this point in the race. That Colorado attack is basically allowing the favorites of her team at Trek Segafredo to sit up in the peloton and to, to just sit there while the others have to use their domestiques and have to do the stuff themselves. And that allows the likes of an Elisa Longoborghini to be in a position where she can make that final devastating move on the climb itself, on the point where it matters. The others will expect at that moment that something has to happen there. It's literally the the only like real obstacle in the race at that point that is left. So if you're one of the favorites, they're like, oh, it's it has to happen here. So I'd be looking at every favorite surrounding me and seeing who was going to make a move on that climb. And she came from behind the group, really. She she came from the back. And it was it was a bit of a, could I call it a, a phoned-in attack in the sense that I, I kind of felt it coming? Or what's your thought on it? Yeah, I think so. With Mariana Voss here, Trek had no interest in this coming down to a sprint and they had the strongest all-round team and they'd sent Cordon Rigaud on a couple of expeditions early, but Lisa Longaborghini was their strongest rider. It made a lot of sense. Um, not sure I expected it 
on the second to last climb, but there aren't the strongest team and like the strongest women's team, SD Works, was not the strongest in this race, probably not their strongest start list. No Van der Breggen, no Amy Peters, I don't think, and no uh, Demi Follering. So in that sense, there was more opportunities for Trek to roll attacks, although they didn't have Ellen van Dyke. What I saw was it was Cecily Gutrup-Ludwig for FDJ trying to close her attack. She couldn't snap on initially, but then she was trying to claw it back on this climb. And we've still got 20Ks plus, 23Ks plus to go in this race. She's trying to claw it back. She's got Voss, Mavi Garcia, Nubia Doma, and Soraya Paladin in the wheel. And she just Oh, she was bringing it back. She was really bringing it back to Elisa Longaborghini. And then she looked back. There's a gap maybe of oh, 15 metres on this climb between them. And she looks back. It's kind of like when Kwiatkowski flicked someone uh, when he won Amstel Gold when he was trying to bridge across to Matthews and <laughs> Gilbert. He just, yeah. she, wanted, she wanted the other riders to just do the last 10% for her. And I get that because screw pacing Voss back <laughs> and doing all the work <laughs> and ruining your own race. And Cecilia Trubludwig had already done a good job doing that 90% of the bridge, but no one pulled over her. Maybe it was tactical. Probably they're also, or very likely, they were close to redlining, but no one pulled and that gap went from 15 metres for Elisa Longaborghini to straight out to about 15 seconds. Before that group of five, reminding you, Cecilia Trubludwig, Voss for Jumbo Visma, Soraya Paladin, Nui Adoma, and Spanish national champ, Mavi Garcia. Then they started to get organized, started to pace a little bit, but climb was almost finished, got this long descent. I don't want to be – I'm not being overly harsh. I'm being consistent. Mavi Garcia is still a terrible descender. We saw it in Strata Bianca last year when she was in the group not a group, when she was just with Annemiek van Vleuten. It was a big problem then and cost her a lot of watts and energy, missing every corner, having to chase back on to van Vleuten. Same thing was happening today on not a particularly descent, not a particularly technical descent rather. And, yeah, it's just a, a problem. Like, I don't know. She reminds me a lot of Remy Cavagna Benji, like beast, <laughs> TT rider, yeah, I get that. solo brake specialist, but – the descending, questionable at times. And when did you notice Benji or think they're not bringing this back? Was it what came first? They're not bringing it back and then they stopped working or they stopped working and then they wouldn't, you know, then they had no chance of bringing her back? Uh, I think that it's a combination of both because – You've got Lisa Longoborghini that has a gap on that group. Knowing that she's a pretty damn good descender, she's one of the better descenders I know, she she can definitely keep that gap in the descent itself. And I don't believe that she was going to lose time in the descent itself. So they had to do it on sections where it's harder when it comes to the climbing or on a flat section. But we know that she just dropped them on an uphill section. So it's unlikely that they're going to gain any time on that terrain. So... They have to do it on the flatter sections in between where she doesn't have the benefit of riding in a group. And, well, they do. They do have that benefit. The issue is, if you don't work together, then it's not going to go well. So I think it's a combination of both. I don't think you can say that 
it was completely gone the moment that they stopped working. But I also don't think you can say that it's illogical to start thinking about the second place, knowing that you've got Mariana Voz in that group and that a lot of those riders in that group will be looking at her to do the bidding of the wag because, well, she's the most likely winner if this comes down to an eventual sprint because I wouldn't know who else would be close to beating her in that group in a sprint. And I think that really kind of defines a bit of a, a question for you, uh, for me, is we saw Costa attack a bit earlier in the race. Uh, she had that solo breakaway. What if she, for example, didn't attack? Would she be able to stick with that group and or help out the chase more? And would Madonna Voss have had a better support from her own team at that point? Or was it a good idea to put Costa in a bit of a an attack to put Madonna Voss in a bit of a seat, despite Costa not really having the qualities of taking this one home, I think? I mean, you bang on there with that question. Voss was a really strong team, either A, on the climb, pace hard, or paces hard and prohibits attacks rather than a pace that at least Longa Borghini was able to. She blew the race apart. Like the group lost a yep. minute to her straight away. So maybe the people don't exist that would have been able to pace to prevent the Elisa Longa Borghini attack. That's possible, probably <laughs> likely. So what you're suggesting is reserving maybe their second strongest rider, Costa, Costa to be in that group with Voss. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a big issue. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. I I think the point is Voss needs some teammates and if she had them and they were able to bring moves back, she'd be winning still a lot more races. Like I think I've even said – and people reminded me of her Giro Rosa last year. I was like, oh, maybe she has taken a, a little bit of a step back in terms of dominance. Maybe it's not that at all. Her maybe her level is exactly the same. The problem is for her, but good for us, that there's so many other strong riders coming through that don't want it to come down to a sprint like Elisa Longa-Borghini. And, yeah, that puts Voss in a very difficult position in that group. Although... Benji, no one attacked her. They started riding for second. Mavi Garcia stopped pulling through yep. and, yeah, no one was pulling through consistently. Uh, Nui Doma and Paladin were actually, to their credit. Ludwig was sometimes pulling, then she wouldn't pull. Then when she did pull, she'd pull really hard. It was a bit, a bit odd. Voss was pulling consistently uh, in that break. But, yeah, why did no one attack given that they were sitting on for second for 10, 12 minutes at least? I think it's a, it's a valid question, but I also don't know where it would have led in the sense that, let's say you're in the group with Mariana Voss, if you decide to attack at that point, she's either going to react, which is less likely, I think, that, I think that she might be looking at other people as well, and those people will be looking at her again, so that would benefit the rider that is attacking. But you also have to be able to 1v1 that group afterwards, but considering they weren't working together too well anyway, that might actually have been a good strategy to try and get rid of this group. But the real question is, would you have gotten away if you attack? And knowing that they were all very similar level on the climbing section, it's it's difficult to guess whether they would have. I think that on the final ascent, we saw that Mariana Voss was doing most of the work, and I think Kutrup Ludwig was 
kind of sitting at the back and I think the entire group was kind of looking at Marianne Vos there. So I don't know if that's because Marianne Vos was the strongest or whether they were trying to sit on. It's it's difficult to notice because I think that they also weren't looking like they were going to move move too much of a needle anymore when it comes to that group. I think that the strongest rider in the race was ahead, at least along the Borghini. And I don't think the second group could do anything to catch her. So they were looking at that second spot and attacking them. Attacking Marana Vos was an option, but they didn't go for it. And I think it's not because they didn't think about it. I think it's because they couldn't. Yeah, that's a fair point. Here's the results. Elisa Longoborghini winning with a dominant solo move with over 20 kilometers to go, a minute and 42 seconds ahead of Mariana Vos predictably winning the bunch sprint by bike lengths and bike lengths ahead of every ahead of Cecilia Ludwig in third, Naviodoma fourth, then Paladin and Mavi Garcia all in the same time from that group. Leading in the third group, Elisa Balsama for Valcar seventh, ahead of Sofia Bertizzolo and Emilia Farlin and Florci Mackay DSM still not clicking for them, and you'll yeah. notice no SD works in the top ten. It's kind yeah. of surprising. It's not like they were here with a with a weak team. They had Chantal Black as as their leader here, the winner of Strada Bianche. And looking at the team, they've got proper support in there from Nee Fisher Black to Ashley Molman. Kikini was here, Canwell and Shackley. A lot of those riders I would expect to do better than they did today. I think I kind of messed out on on Mola Ampasio. I didn't really know what happened to her throughout the race, where she where she lost the gap. I think it was during the moment where the Elisa Longoborghini attack was happening. Uh, I'm I'm kind of surprised because they were in a decent position for a bunch of the race, and I think they were just missing their top riders here today. I think, yeah, I think that. Elisa Longoborghini is, in my opinion, better on this type of terrain than the riders that are here in the team of SD Works. And I think Van den Broek needs to be, Van den Broek Black needs to be in a bit of a position where she's a relative outsider to be able to make that move that gets her away from a group. And she doesn't get that in this situation because she's the leader of that team at the start here. So everybody that wants to see what SD Works can do here, we'll be looking at her mainly at the start here. So I think that she needs to be in the shadow of someone to be able to achieve the greatest that she can achieve. Is that a is that a proper take, you think? Yeah, I think so. She does really well playing off the other riders in SD Works who've made moves, etc. But that's all from us today. That was our review of the Trofeo Alfredo Binder. We're going to be hitting you tomorrow with the Volta a Catalonia seven-stage World Tour race with Sagan Froome. And I said Sagan looked not good at Torreno and then at Milano San Remo he looked really good. So hopefully he does something crazy too at Catalonia. But thanks for listening as always. We'll see you this week. Ciao. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.